Mike Wilkerson from the 24 Podcast here. There's only one place on the internet I go for 24 Legacy fans. It's 24legacyfans.com. It's the best, most vibrant Facebook community for 24 Legacy fans ever. 24legacyfans.com. That's 24legacyfans.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of Shield, a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of Shield agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of Shield podcast from Two Guys Talking. The clear mark of excellence in storytelling is that what you watch sticks. The line that a story takes, the character interactions, the touches of tech that roll past the eyes but burn a curvaceous, indelible image are the stuff of legend. Inside this most recent episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, we're given Rewind, a snapshot of what's happened to lay over what we've already been given inside the first four episodes of this season. The image that becomes clear when it's aligned is delicious. Enough with the reading of the intro, Mike. Where the hell is the review of this episode? Well, here it comes. It's time to rewind. A review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 5, Rewind, starts now on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Greetings, everyone. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Always great to be connected. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Editor Core. For those of you that are curious, we are taking on new projects inside the Editor Core. The Editor Core is our quickly growing team of podcast editors ready to edit your podcast. What we're also looking for are some more podcast editors. Be sure to tell us more about your interest in becoming a podcast editor over at EditorCore.com. The Die Hard Perspective Review. Nick, I'm assuming you too are in the family of ensuring that you too, at least once during the holiday season are watching the movie Die Hard. It ain't Christmas season till I see a Gruber fall from the Nakatomi Plaza. It's one of my favorite movies, especially during the Christmas season, mostly because everybody forgets that it's a Christmas movie. So har har. The Christmas party inside the building, the presents Happens the on Christmas Eve. The death of one of the terrorists who then gets the ho, ho, ho sweatshirt. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a marvel of movie making, one of my favorites. One um, of three action films that I watch during the holiday season. Yeah, it's great stuff. Be sure you check out the perspective review of Die Hard over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Die Hard. It's, it's an excellent, excellent entry in one of my favorite movies of all time. Welcome to the party, pal. And that's a perfect push to this week's episode as we rewind and remember the perspective review of Die Hard. It's time to focus on Rewind. 
the fifth episode of season five during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. The wind-up and the pitch. Probably, for certain this season, probably my favorite launch of an episode this season on the front end of this episode. Oh, really? Okay. I love the front end of this. Now, inside of the intro, I referred to the layering over almost like a, uh, for those of you that are old enough, you'll remember what transparencies are. Mm. And if you take this as the first transparency and then the first four episodes as other transparencies, what you'd have is essentially, when you get done with this episode, you get exactly what happens inside of the Iron Man cave where Tony Stark takes all of his little etchings and they mean absolutely nothing when you see them alone. Right. However, when you put them on top of each other and you whoosh, now s smash them flat so you can see the different layers and how they interact, right. that's what you get out of this episode. And this this first intro to the episode, I think, is the, one of the most important parts of it. This was the missing piece. We've, we've gone back to the diner a handful of times mm -hmm. uh, since the beginning of this season mm -hmm. from different perspectives, and this was the last perspective we were missing. Right. We've been missing Fitz. Uh, well, I mean, the revelation at the end of episode four with, you know, Fitz there in the future. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Uh, of course you know that the next episode has to be an explanation of that, and just yeah. like a really good book. Or any storytelling. We've got, okay, here's your story. There's mysteries. There's questions. And then, boom, revelation. we got to go back, and we've got we to drop some information on you so that you can continue to understand what's going on and still, in, and, and still have the same level of enjoyment. Right. And that's what, right. that's what this entire episode is all about. Yeah, going back and filling in the details that are missing, but more importantly, the questions that we've asked in, I think, every single episode inside mm. of this season... 90% of them are answered inside of this episode. Yep. And so it, it, it's, a, it's again, it's so indelibly etched into my collective mind when I get it. It's the stories that stick, like this one, that really do make excellence inside of storytelling, especially on the smaller HD screen. The irony of the words, the shield. In this episode, we meet General Hale, but then we also get some more dialogue from the bald-headed guy who can unzip himself, Mr. Enoch. Enoch! Enoch, that's right. And both of them, whether everyone remembers or not, are from FX's The Shield. General Hale is a... I'm assuming it's General. Well, one would think that uh, she's replacing General Talbot, so... I don't think so, because I think she's Air Force. Well, anyway, so, so was Talbot. Oh. Talbot was Air Force too. All right. Well, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna consider that she is a general for now. But it's also nice that we're reminded. Hey, guess what? Talbot is still alive, mm -hmm. still in a coma, because you know, Robot Daisy did sh shoot him in the head. Right. But he's still not dead yet. Right. Right. And I'm certain he'll be viable doing cartwheels by the end of this season. Well, right now the the actor is over on another network on another doing superhero another show. show. Oh, is he? Yeah. What is he doing? He's on he's on Supergirl. He's uh, one of the bad guys on Supergirl. A bad guy, really? He's he's playing a bad guy. Does he have hair? Yes, he does oh. have hair. Hmm. No mustache, full head of hair. No mustache, full head of hair. Well, I will have to No, I'm not going to check that. No, out. No. I'm just not I miss him guy. as I miss him as General Talbot. Well, it, it's good that he's getting more work though, though because I do like him a lot. Yes. 
anyway, uh, back to the point. But back here. to Hale. Back right. to General Hale. Uh, Hale and Enoch both are veterans of a show on FX called The Shield, mm. which I know many of our listeners have watched and enjoyed, but more importantly, some have not yet seen. Which is just a shame. It's, it's great television. Right, because uh, for those of you that have not seen it, it receives one of my absolute best endorsements of all time. I still have my dreams of avarice of coming up with a perspective review that focuses specifically on The Shield. Uh, running back with a bunch of my cop friends to tell you exactly what crimes are committed. More importantly, what the consequences of those crimes were right. as you see each episode. Look for that. I'm going to find a way to do it. I don't know when, but I'm going to find well, a way to do it. Well, a lot of people don't realize this. If it hadn't been for the success of The Shield on FX, early on in FX existence, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have shows like Sons of Anarchy or Breaking Bad or anything else like that. Mm -hmm. The Shield on FX really broke the mold where... Not cable, cable television was concerned. Commercial cable television was concerned. It, uh, not, not to mention the fact our, our very own Agent Coulson mm -hmm. had a <laughs> very small but very important uh, character also on that show. He yeah. was uh, he was a serial rapist. Yeah. He and was, it was he, just, just he, absolutely... He, creepy as yes. hell he, he was the cuddler the yes the, the that's the kind of moniker that you want to be labeled with in the news the cuddler yeah the cuddler uh, anyway it, it's great to see both of these actors uh, the lady that's playing general slash whatever her rank is hail uh she played a character called danny inside of the shield who was uh, an all-time favorite uh just another cop on staff but such a great and vital piece of the machinery mm -hmm. that was inside of that program and then uh, Enoch, Enoch actually played a conspiracy-laden homeless guy inside of the Shield for only two episodes, but he, he was still there. Indelible. I, I didn't actually recognize him the very first episode that we when we saw him this season. Yeah. But as soon as he started to talk more, my always listening ear cued in on his uh, speech pattern and his uh, vocal cadence, and it's uh, it's indelible. You'll hear it once, and it sticks like a brick. Right. <laughs> Speeding along with details, the pace of this episode is, without blowing what's going to be the focus of my dossier moment inside of this episode, uh -huh. is beyond reproach. If you're looking for flawless pacing, you may as well stop hunting because you have found it. Mm -hmm. When you can go back and you can ensnare so many details in what is a, quote, jackass rewind episode where you go back and just essentially talk about stuff that's missing from other episodes and it all is delicious. It's just spectacular. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in a bad show, this would be a really stupid episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this would be one of those episodes where it's just scene after scene of char one character telling another character, Oh, I'm going to tell you something that you don't know. Yeah. yeah. So that the audience can get caught up on, mm -hmm. on the joke or the secret or whatever. Uh, this it gives you information, but then it doesn't give you information. Right. It gives you just enough. Again, it's almost as if the, the audience is fits and fits as the audience. We're learning the exact same things that he is learning. Yeah. I, so I, if he's not answering, if he's not asking the right questions, we're not getting the right answers. Yeah. So it's it's it was one of those one of those episodes where it's just like you're you're on the edge of your seat and you don't real because I didn't realize this episode this episode was over way too quick for me yeah I it agree. just flew right by mm -hmm. and again that's the pacing yeah you really are a confidant inside this episode 
for Fitz as he's delivering and finding out the details, the difference is that he doesn't know that you're there. Right. And the way that he's able to convey the the sense of wonder of the discovery of information inside the episode so that while you take it on, he's also taking it on. That's what happens inside of this episode. Mm. And it speeds through, just as you mentioned. The brilliance of passing time montages that work. Again, this speaks deliberately to pacing. Being able to offer something visual that not only complements but enhances what you're hearing. Mm. Somebody just roll essentially a reading off a script is really, really vital to a, a rewind episode like this. Mm. If you don't have it where one or the other pays off, it all falls apart and everything comes together perfectly inside this episode. I, I love this because just before the montage starts, we're, we're given almost an info dump. It's like, okay, boom, here are the things that you don't know. Uh, Shield's basically done. Thanks to, you know, Director Mace being found murdered, dead, crushed to death, mm-hmm. and everybody else in the out in the wind, we can't find it. No, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s done. Which is disappointing for me. Because, you know, all of last season was, hey, we're bringing S.H.I.E.L.D. back. We're actually going to be out there. We're going to be in the, in the public. They'll know that we're there. We're there to protect. We're there to serve. Ta-da! And now it seems like that all of that has been erased by what happened with Ada and the framework. I'm a little upset with that, but I totally understand it. I, it's the way things go. Mm-hmm. But we're reminded again of what Fitz did in the framework. We are reminded that this is a man who killed his boss, a friend, essentially, but uh, one of the good guys. And even though it was the framework and technically none of that should matter, it does because he did kill Mace. It also offers the seed of what, especially Fitz thinks lies within him mm-hmm. uh, very much like what you saw inside of Bruce Banner inside of the television based the Incredible Hulk show right where he always knew there was something terrible lurking and without it would the, his sentence when he would refer to the Hulk or the other thing he would always refer to it as just that and then just leave it mm-hmm. and I miss that I miss that they're not being that little need to pick on the scab of what the Hulk is because we do get that now ad nauseum we really do right it can't just be oh it's a green rage monster well i mean it, it the, the characters evolved since the incredible hulk movie right well yeah. i mean i mean think about it the, the character has they have evolved the character to where you know remember the avengers movie you know you want to know my secret i'm always angry he can he can turn it on and off if he wants to now of course if he gets angry it, it could come on but he does have the ability to control it move forward to this most recent offering with Thor Ragnarok, he stayed Hulk for years, and then decide, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta go back to Banner, and then I'm, I'm not going to spoil the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it, so I'm just going to leave it at that because but, you know, Hulk's in the movie and you know Banner's in the movie, so that's as far as I'm going to go with any kind yeah, of spoilers. Yeah, yeah. But you know that there's a, it's not just, oh, I gotta, I gotta keep my head down and I, I can't, uh, I can't really do anything. I gotta, I gotta be. A wallflower because somebody might tick me off and I might get hurt and I mm-hmm. might just turn into a giant green rage monster. Yeah. So there's a there, there's an evolution to that. Where Fitz is concerned, he's the man punishing himself. And when he decides to help the Air Force or the, this group figure out what happened to the others, and during this montage, we can see him punishing himself slightly. 
It's work, 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 exercise, exercise, exercise. Something that you wouldn't think of where Fitz is concerned. I, I mean, I mean, go back I to I mean, this is Brainy Fitz, mm -hmm. but this is also a different character. Mm -hmm. He lived a different life in the framework, and he's still dealing with that. And the problem is, he has nobody to talk to about it. He has no release valve. Mm -hmm. Which is almost scarier than our other characters, because the other characters, even though they're trapped in the future, they can at least talk about it during the downtime. He's got nobody. He, the, the, his only release is yelling at the TV screen during a soccer match. And this montage is a perfect example of this is a man who's torturing, not only he's, he's being tortured because he's locked up, can't find his friends, but he's also torturing himself. So in a very short period of time, we're given, okay, this is the Fitz that we're going to be dealing with. This is Fitz. Forget Fitz from the framework. Forget Fitz from before the framework. This is yet again another Fitz. Holy shit, is that Hunter? And the reunion isn't perfectly warm. It's explosive. This is fun. This is I fun. had a huge smile on my yeah. face when this happened. This is fun, and it really does hammer home the point of why I avoid, at all costs, spoilers. Yeah. Because had this been spoiled for me, I would not have enjoyed this. Mm -hmm. if, if I knew half a season ago that, oh, look, Hunter's coming back, I know I would have been totally n not enthused at all for this episode. But this, along with the magic of what's happening inside of this episode, absolutely elevate it to a completely different level. It also makes it able for me to look at this episode and not instantly revile the relationship we have between a couple of people from England. Mm -hmm. There's something in the banter that I don't particularly care for inside of especially English comedy. All of the Money Python stuff is a really great sample. I can't quite articulate why. It just doesn't stick for me. Okay. It's, it, I would I would equate it to, you know, imagine the vegetables you like to eat. And now imagine one of those vegetables you just don't want to eat anymore. That's kind of where I got with all of the money, the money Python stuff when I was a kid. Mm. And it's never come back to me. I haven't acquired, reacquired the taste. Yeah, right. And so this dialogue, this interaction piece where you get to see this tiny little series of roller coaster moments as they meet and then that dies off as it becomes more casual and then it becomes something that you're already bathed in and you want to take in mm -hmm. being able to do that in the span of eight or nine minutes that's some fantastical shit there my friend oh yeah and if you're looking for the way to write dialogue of people that know about each other but more importantly, know about things that they both care about, i.e. these things that are innately English, i.e. the soccer teams, right, right. i.e. the reminiscing of what they remember. This is how you write dialogue, and this is how you write it successfully. It's really, really well done. And it also goes to the the characters of uh, the characters themselves yeah the fact yeah. that these especially especially with you know the return of Hunter, this is a character we haven't seen since season three, early on in season three. This is a character that I remember in the, the farewell episode in which him, uh, him and Bobby left. I know for a fact, we talked about it, both of us, we were crying like little babies. Yeah. Giant man-child crying tears just falling down our face. So to have Hunter back... And it's almost like he never left. Right. It, it, right. it almost just picks up right where they left off. And I, I think it's even better. 
I think oh, it's even better. even better. Okay. I, I think it's even better because when you start to get the 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 warm undertones of you know that they're leaving inside this episode, it becomes something completely different inside that episode. Mm. And I, I I I Hunter never had me. I I I really didn't care about Hunter. Hunter was another thrown on character to make the make the 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 fire rise higher because you needed some more logs on the fire. Right. And so it worked. It worked. We had another interaction point person. Well, remember when he was introduced at the beginning of season two, he was kind of the replacement for Ward. Yeah. Ward had gone bad, so now we need another good-looking male character that can kick ass. Mm -hmm. Okay, enter Hunter, but he's not Ward, right. so a lot of people didn't warm up to him. Right. And, and I think it actually was when Bobby, when we actually get Mockingbird on the show later on in season two, when they start playing off each other, mm -hmm. and then the interaction with Mac... There was it was almost okay. Here's a team, mm -hmm. and we're trying to shove them into the team we already have, and of course, you know, n no nobody likes change, so we're very resistant to that. But because of good writing and good storytelling, and the fact that these are all talented actors, eventually we we stopped worrying about it, and they were part of the mm -hmm. team. Yeah. So before they left, Hunter was no longer just that that new, good-looking male guy. character who yeah. could kick ass. Mm -hmm. He was Hunter, right? Of Hunter and Bobby, you know, that those funny on again, off again kids. I don't know. It's it's it, it's one of those things that I appreciate about the show because it is like it's count it's it's comic book counterpart. Bring things back from long ago, and yes, it's it's nostalgic, but it's also necessary because had Fitz reached out to some character we never knew, who, who would care? We we wouldn't care about this brand new character be. I mean, sure, the the writing is good, and maybe we would have cared eventually. But the fact that it's somebody that we already knew mm -hmm. and thought we would never see again, because we kind of were told we're never going to see these characters again. Well, hey, guess what? Here they are. Ta-da! Yeah. The Breaking Bad RV is their getaway vehicle? This is great. Again, for those of you that have not paid attention to anything Breaking Bad, stop what you're doing except for listening to our podcast and go watch every single episode of Breaking Bad. That, too, is yet another wonderful perspective review series that I would love to dip my digital podcasting wick into and mm. never stop. It is the, the writing inside of it is thick. The details are thick. Uh, all of the the hallmarks of it, including this RV that I'm referring to, are incredibly thick. And it, it, this was a wonderful little nod back to being able to see the, I think it was a Roadmaster or something or other. Mm. But but it's, um, it, it's tremendous, and we get a little taste of it here as they plunge into the rest of this episode. It's a nice little nod there. It's, it's, it's the uh, capper to a, <laughs> a haphazard escape plan. Yeah. Thank you, Hunter. Well, it's the best that money could buy. Well, the best my money could buy. Absolutely love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Yeah, that it's not state-of-the-art and just given by some Q-esque person because it needs to be a solution. Well, no, it's the solution he could afford. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Perfect exposition for Hunter to a new reverse surveillance. Anytime that a story can take what is happening and twist it in on itself so that you realize something different from something that you've seen so many times, 
that now has a completely different color profile mm. because of the information and the characters that are interacting. You got me. Yeah. You absolutely got me. And this happened several times inside this episode. I just I marked it inside of this first time I, I witnessed it, and it, it it's it's wonderful. Uh, th- this show is so filled with perfect exposition scenes of all kinds. Yes. It's not just okay. Somebody grabs a map, unfurls the map, and then starts pointing into different corners of the map and saying, "Okay, well first We've got to get into the map room, and then we're going to the electrical room, and then we're going to steal the briefcase, and then we're going to blah. It's never like that. Mm. It's never like that. And inside this episode, this reverse surveillance-ry that happens is absolutely spellbinding and something that, I'm telling you, any of the last four or five Mission Impossible films... They could take a lot from this series <laughs> because I'm so done with somebody ripping off their face and going, ha, 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 and mm. fooled you. Yeah. And, and all the little-esque things that have become the, quote, hallmarks of Mission Impossible movies. They've got to come up with something different. It, it, it's the same It's the same flavor and, and texture that I can detect it's not nearly as thick as it's as is going on inside the Mission Impossible stuffs, but the new 007 stuff that I love, I absolutely love a lot of it. But there is a a very familiar now taste that's happening inside of each and every one of the last at least two mm. Bond films, and I need the new flavors. I need I need there to be a new bag of M and M's. This last week, this last week. There was actually a new bag of M&M's that was released, and it's called <laughs> Sweet Heat. Sweet Heat. Okay. And so you think, Sweet Heat, what the, what the hell does that mean? Well, if, you, if you've ever had like one of those little cinnamon red things inside of a cookie that are hot, hot cinnamon. Like a red hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now add in fruity flavors along with that smashing uh, the back of the tongue of that, except it's not cinnamon, it's just the hot part of what you detect inside the cinnamon. Right. Okay, well, that's what you get. It's exactly the same thing here, where it's a discernible flavor. Oh, what is this fruity taste that I have here? Oh, what is this chewing? It's kind of, it's not quite gum, but it's kind of like a Skittle. Oh, okay, yeah. Wait a minute, where's this heat from? Hmm. That's what I'm talking about with them creating that here. Inside of a series that is now in its fifth season with characters that we're terribly familiar with and a returning character that's providing us some supposition, detail, exposition, and surveillance supposition inside of this episode right now. It's exactly the same thing, but with a completely different flavor than we've, what we've had before. Well, yeah. And that's what makes this matter. I think it's important because the, the reason why it's different is because these characters haven't seen each other in a very long time, so any mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. catching up exposition is is needed it's allowed mm-hmm. because well yeah. okay these characters haven't seen each other they've been out of contact for a while right so you know when hunter fills fits in on how things are with him and bobby okay you have to talk about that because remember the last time we saw these this character he and his significant other were basically ceremoniously drummed out of shield so we have to talk we have to talk about that there has to be a moment that we talk about that so of course it comes up mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. Now, all the other stuff about what Fitz has been up to and the team and everything else, that's needed because Hunter is out of the loop. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, well, this is a need-to-know mission and you don't need to know that. No, it's it, we're friends. We were friends. We're still friends. I'll catch you up, but I can't stand here and tell you everything that you've missed out on. 
we'll get to some of the stuff maybe during the downtime. And we do. It's peppered throughout this entire episode. Mm -hmm. There are little moments where Fitz and Hunter specifically have dialogue exchanges that fill either one or the other in on something that they didn't know but need to know. Yes. And then because we're watching this... We're either reminded of something that we may have forgotten or given brand new information. Right. It's, it is great writing. As well as giving new information because of the new interaction that's happening between the toothpaste that Fitz is giving and the toothpaste that Hunter is giving mm. in perspective, mixing together, giving us a new toothpaste. Right. I love that. I absolutely love it. Talking Tech. It's something that many of you come to our podcast for that sets us apart from other podcasts. Well, that and that we rule. Well, yes, we do. Other than that, uh, you come to listen to us talking about the tech that you see inside of this program. Inside of this program, we talk about something that we talked about specifically inside of the very first episode of this season, episode one slash two that we caught, which is the digital changing truck. And it is showcased perfectly inside this episode initially inside of this where Fitz takes the different surveillance cameras that are provided inside of the revisit inside the scene that we just talked about mm -hmm. and then is able to yank out the photographs draw line art of each of the vehicles line swirl line them up and now they all match to make exactly the same truck right you can get you can camouflage what the outside looks like you can't change the actual physical shape of the truck. Right. And that's how Fitz breaks the code, which yeah. makes me think that he is either extremely brilliant or the people on this case trying to figure out what happened to Colson and his people <laughs> are a little dim. It's <laughs> something along Maybe those lines. Maybe it's a, it's a combination of the two, a little column A, a little column B. It might be. But what again, what I loved about this was that not only was it detailed, not only was it sufficiently detailed, it's not just where they give you kind of a waft. They also don't beat you over the head with what you're viewing. The most important part of all of it, it's quick. Yeah. It's quick. The The most important part of exposition is that it be delivered quickly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be delivered incredibly fast so that you don't understand what I'm saying because I'm talking so fast. That's not what needs to happen. What needs to happen is that it needs to come quickly, it needs to come clear, and then you move the story forward. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what happens inside this talking tech moment. Absolutely. That's where we ask you guys, what did you find inside this episode that focuses on the tech delivered inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Go on over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv, click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what did you notice about the tech inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Meeting the Anthropologist, Enoch. We've already talked about him so much, I've... I almost don't want to waste the point, but let's focus on him for a little bit. What we do find out is that he's been here a long-ass time. A very long yeah. time. What we also find is that it's just kind of another day. Because in the in the span of things, any time that he would have to wait, that you, me, the audience, fits, anybody else that is on planet Earth would be around, it's nothing. Right. It's not even an ounce of hair. Well, he doesn't apparently have any hair. <laughs> It means nothing to him. And it's showcased wonderfully. I think what I really took away from Enoch inside this episode is the deadpan play with things that would be incredibly emotional for you or I or any of the characters on, on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Mm. They are instantly taken away by the drama that's involved in the what might happen inside of the moment. Enoch's got none of that. 
and it is that much better for it because he he reminds me very much you and I had talked about this I think it was it was this season we talked about the intervention potentially of Stanley as the watcher right and it reminds me very much of that same flavor where you've got there's just somebody that's experiencing all of this there's no there's no drama he can he can interact when he needs or has to but it's just that he's there and that is missing inside i think of every single movie every single television show and it's because everybody wants shit to be on fire there's got to be some innate peril and no one inside of the cone of involvement can possibly just be sedate and i'm not talking about being on drug sedate i'm talking about like it no matter what happens there's nothing that can happen with what enoch is witnessing that will matter he's he's going to be here for a long ass time and has been here for a long ass time and so who cares well it's, we never get that perspective of anything else and i'm really appreciative of it and and that's actually one of the things about marvel comics specifically that i've that i've always enjoyed where the watcher is concerned is because sometimes it's not the bi- it's not the big moments sometimes it is most of the time it is i mean if there's if there's a giant battle between two opposing forces and the Watcher shows up, everybody knows, oh, shit, this actually means something. Yeah, if yeah. the Watcher is watching personally, then yeah, we, this is this is something big. But every now and then in comic book, in the Marvel comic books, the Watcher is watching small moments. Yeah. And, and it's a, sometimes it's the small moments that are more important than the giant big epic battles. Yeah. A conversation a decision by just one character mm-hmm. do i take a right or do i go left well, some sometimes it's it's just those small things that are the most important and like you said most people want everything to be on fire they need constant peril to be entertained or at least engaged in the storytelling and and if that's your bag fine you know no i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to dish you on that but sometimes the quiet dramatic moments are more satisfying than all of the crash bang boom i'm on fire moments i think a really good reciprocal perspective i'll give you of this is the las vegas shooter recently everybody is aware of how incredibly heinous that act is Mm -hmm. and the watcher would never focus on okay well i need to see the first shot come off he would never focus on something like that what he would focus on, however, is he would focus on the moment, the very first instant that a law enforcement officer would have recognized that there's a problem. Mm. That's what he'd want to see and experience. And then he would just disappear out of the situation and go find something else to look at. Right. That's what we're talking about here. And it's that being able to select a moment and, and, and just take that in without having to figure out all the rest of it. That is the life that Enoch is living inside of his existence currently. And it's fun to be shoved into that passenger seat next to him to get a flavor of it as we're watching our characters run through this episode. And the interesting thing about this this character is, yet again, in this season, we are introduced to an obscure Stanley Jack Kirby creation from the, the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enoch's... I can't you can't really call it a species because he's basically an android. 
in the show he looks more maybe more of a uh, a living android because i mean he does take off his human skin takes a shower drinks coconut water so th- there's something slightly organic about him but the research that i did on the character is uh is that uh, the first recorder because that's what his race is the they record. Guess mm-hmm. what they do? We record, just like the Watchers. They watch. Uh, his first appearance was actually in an uh, issue of Thor, issue uh, 132, back in 1966. Mm-hmm. Jack Kirby, Stan Lee. And uh, the recorders uh, are a series of androids built by an alien race uh, called the uh, Regilians. Never heard of them. Uh, I-, I didn't read a lot of old Thor, so, I mean, I don't know if they're still around. They might be. Uh, but basically... They're they're sent out to different planets. Like I said, they're they're the, the example for our show for Agents of Shield, uh, anthropology race. They're there to record. They're there to watch a civilization and record its 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 growth, its evolution. Enoch has been there for thousands, if not more, years, mm-hmm. and of course, we also see he sticks around because spoiler for the end of the episode, he's there as well. So it's it's interesting that they're digging deep into the Marvel vault to bring these obscure characters to the forefront because, I'm sorry, do, do you see that happening over uh, over on the other side of the, the lot where DC is concerned? Do you see them rehashing old, obscure characters, giving them a nice uh, uh, spit and polish and pushing them out in front of everybody? I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Exactly. A revisit to a Robin. Wow. Weaving fabric inside of storytelling. There's a reason why it's called weaving. And it's because it's work. It's work to take details like this and make it not only viable, not only make it so that it fits into a story like a puzzle piece, but to make it endearing. Mm. And my God. Wow. Wow. This is a treat for people who have been watching this show. Again, we're going back to season three here. Robin's father was the inhuman who had the ability to, if he touched you, he and you could see the moment of your death. That was the whole driving force of season three. Because remember, beginning of season three, we're given a bit of that vision mm-hmm. of a Quinjet in space about to explode. Somebody's going to die. And we spend the majority of the season going, oh, God, who's it going to be? And then we end with it. And and yeah, and we end with it. The, the, the brilliance of that too is that during that during that whole season, with this character's father's interaction, there is this tortilla that's created throughout the at the beginning of the season. But then there's all kinds of awesome stuffed into the tortilla, so that when you get to the final two hours of the finale of that season, mm. you get to take these luscious bites of storytelling with this tortilla, but also with everything that you've collected over the last series of episodes. Yeah absolutely delicious and it's great to visit that back inside of this but then also to just start digging like just like the device from the journey to the center of the earth with this character who doesn't hardly speak at all inside this episode but conveys so much detail and pain even in the in the stilted conversation that she has she's not terribly emotive she's not off the flying off the handle with emotion but what she does deliver is so so it just makes you cry out with empathy. It's wonderfully done inside this episode. Two things that I took away from uh, the reintroduction of this character, because the last time we saw her, she hadn't gone through Terra Genesis. Right. 
So we had no idea that that was even a possibility of happening. Mm-hmm. The thing that I enjoy is that the fact that she does not have her father's powers, she has an offshoot, a variation, more precognition, but in a completely different way. And and as uh, the dialogue from her mother explains, almost in an autistic uh, fashion, after she came out of the, the chrysalis, uh, she was very inverted and doesn't talk very often. And the majority of her communication is through her drawings, mm-hmm. and I find that I find that fascinating that they would decide to go that route because we've seen that in other shows. Uh, a perfect example: Heroes, NBC's Heroes. That first season, we had a character specifically saw images of the future, or saw basically saw visions, and then drew them out. And most of those images were put into a comic book form. When it comes to heroes, I really enjoyed the first season. It just went downhill after the second season. So we've seen this. This isn't something new to us, but it's new because it's a child, and it's a child who's inverted. You've got child in peril again, man. You've got child in peril. So, of course, you want to feel you, you, your characters jump in, and boom, we have to protect this child. The other thing about it is, and, and I, I mentioned at the beginning of this point, this is a treat for viewers who have stuck around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. The, the we we have been given nods specifically in this just one episode to things that happened two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and if you've been watching like we have and paying attention, this right here, you're just uh, the the entire episode. Even when things looked bleak, I still had a huge smile on my face because it's like. Wow, it's just it's just all these strings, all these old strings. We're fi- we're tugging on them again, and mm-hmm. and things are coming together. And this is how television, especially a show that has lasted for as long as Agents of Shield has, this is how a show continues to rise to a level of excellence. Yeah. Because you're not forgetting your past, you're waiting just long enough to where it it's actually meaningful to bring it back. Right, and provides impact. In fact, it's great that you started talking about the autistic lean for a child, the visual conveyance Mm. of what's going to happen inside of these incredibly rudimentary drawings. But more importantly, and something we haven't talked about yet, is the deliverance of dialogue that is years beyond what she would ever say, but it's delivered and appropriate. Mm. And again, it's this wonderful little cauldron moment of storytelling where they've taken all these little tiny bits and they've shoved it into one character, and it's magical. You started talking about uh, a, diff- a, d- a differing series of programs. You've mentioned Heroes. On the other end, the sad end of the spectrum, I would bring up Kiefer Sutherland's Touch. Mm. I don't know how many of you watched Touch. I only watched about eight episodes of what I think was two or three seasons maybe. But it was reasonably terrible. Uh, I didn't like where it took us. It was tough coming off of, look, it's Jack Bauer, except that it's not Jack Bauer. And look, Jack Bauer's interacting with this kind of weird strange son something and, and i didn't care for it. It, it it didn't it didn't capture me at all really and that's why i put it on the other end of the spectrum of how not to do it this is how you convey something like that where there's just enough that's swimming around that's strange that you're not used to but then spins into a wonderful storytelling conveyance that is really all too rare simple effects powering a powerful program I cannot tell you 
how proud I am of not just this episode, but of any television show that will bother to take the time to, if somebody is just going to come in off screen, you're not going to see them and you just have the the reverse symbol sound and then they pop in and you say, oh, it's good to see you. I'm glad you could transport. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Save all that money. I don't <laughs> want you to blow money on somebody walking into a scene. There's two or three times that that happens inside of this this episode, and it is magical. Not because it's so spellbindingly special effects laden. Not because wow, that's so innovative, but because it's simple. It's simple. I don't need elaborate special effects every single time somebody disappears or appears. What I need is something effective that fosters the storytelling. The instant you latch onto that and can convey that inside the episode, you get the people watching. You get other people that will watch because the people watching will tell other people. But more importantly, you're fostering the whole cone of storytelling because it's simple and effective. Right. The level of curious satisfaction is jacked. I know what you're all saying. Mike, what in the hell is curious satisfaction? Curious satisfaction is when you wonder about something like, how in the hell could that happen? Right. And then you are delivered exactly what you need to understand. <laughs> it. So now you are, you are for that moment, when you discover it, you are curiously satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that inside of anything that we get that is entertainment based. And inside of this episode, as we've talked about four or five times, there's five or six different moments in here where you are easily, continually, on a graduated level, no less, curiously satisfied. The level inside of this episode is just jacked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the great things about that is the pacing because it's it's spread out enough. Yes. To where it's not all happening yeah. all at once. Mm -hmm. It's boom, there you go. And we'll wait a few minutes. Oh, boom, there you go again. Oh, wow, well, that was fun. All right, well, now I'm relaxing. Oh, there's another one. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's again, yeah. all, we've talked about this numerous times during the reviews of these shows and anything Two Guys Talking related. It's all about the pacing. Yeah. The pacing can either make or break you. Yeah. And again, pacing is top notch, A number one in this episode. Breaking into a place you just broke out of and the rules of espionage. This could have been so stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So but me, guess what? Remember what show we're watching, though. Well, let me get this straight. You guys are going to break back into the place that not 24 hours ago you broke out of, right? And those of you that are thinking to yourself, especially if you haven't seen the episode yet, though, why are you listening? Why are you listening if you haven't watched the episode? Incredibly dumb. It, it is it is the it is the golf tee for the inordinately stupid for any other program that doesn't know how to storytell, especially with pace. But it is a wonder kid inside of this episode for every single character that depicts it. There is never a time where I go, oh, this is going to be stupid. More importantly, the people inside of the facility, I'm never given that moment where they're going, oh, now they're going to be stupid so that they can get back in. Right. I didn't get any of that. I got none of that. You have some really great innovative get back in stuffs. Uh, something that we didn't talk about really was the whole breaking out moment inside of the beginning of the episode. I, I don't know how to tell you how fast that got done. I, I didn't count how long it took, but it was less than a minute. It was less than a minute where Lookie's in, the dialogue's happening, you're incredibly engaged, and boom, the wall disappears from behind him. 
it was wonderful. It was it was perfectly paced. The conversation, the the cadence inside the conversation, all that was perfect. And it is it, it, this is essentially the reverse sandwich of that inside of the same episode, not twenty five minutes later. It's just it's a marvel of writing. And again, like I said, this could have been really stupid. I, we've seen it done before in other shows, and usually. Usually it falls flat. It's like, oh, it's because you couldn't figure out another way to do what you needed to do. So this was the easiest thing that you could write. Okay, right. fine. For this, it's kind of par for the course. It's like, and it's Hunter that has to inform them about this. Because, oh, well, you know, my you know, my, my pod is being held at such and such. And and Hunter is the only one who's affected by it. It was like, are, what, are you kidding me? Why? What's wrong with that? It's a place we just broke you out of. And then you realize, well, if anybody, if anybody is going to be able to break back into a place, break into a place they just broke out of, it's our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. The knockout and operate factor. This is akin to one of my all-time hated pieces of storytelling inside of smaller HD screen televisions, but more importantly, inside of feature films. The throw factor. For those that have forgotten, because I haven't talked about it nearly enough inside of this show. But oh, this wait season... a minute. I'm going to use my mutant power. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wrong wrong show. I'm going to use my inhuman power and go, are we going to talk about Terminator Salvation, we Mike? We certainly are. It's Ugh. time to talk about Terminator <laughs> Salvation again. Not only will I direct you over to our Terminator Salvation Perspective Review, oh. but I will remind everybody that one of the worst cases of the throw factor is available for you Come now. here, John Connor. I want to toss you around. <laughs> available inside that movie. Uh, again, it's where the, the enemy, doesn't matter what flavor of character, no matter how big the bad, it doesn't make any difference, the enemy needs to destroy the person standing in front of them. And rather than using either your superpowers or, in the case of the Terminator, incredibly powerful steam... Look at my pistons of power. Yeah, Nuclear-powered uh, devices of death, i.e. his arms, his legs, his body, his head, whatever. He could just lean over and, like, grape. Instead of that being the case and everything being done and the future being changed irreparably, instead what we've got to have is the Terminator grabs and throws John Connor by his jacket and or back of scruff. And it drives Mike Wilkerson brain crazy mm. because it is. It, 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 I can show you inside of just about any any television program at all that has a super powered anything. Oh look, another throw moment where this fight should be over, mm. or this you know you should be crippled, or you should have an arm torn off, or something. Something heinous should happen to this character, but that's not what's going to happen here. What we're going to have is another throw. Okay, so that's the first thing that I hate. Why not hate? This is the second thing that I hate, and it is inside of this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So this is the one knock for everything inside of this episode of Mike Wilkerson's Brain Opinion. It is the knockout and operate factor. I have the ability, as does really anybody, I have the ability if Nick were to stand up and walk over to me, I could hit Nick and knock him out. Yes. With, with the appropriate training, anybody could do this. Okay, so I've knocked Nick out. And now I'm going to just go operate and do whatever I need to because Nick's never going to wake up in the amount of time that he might wake up to then imperil my intervention of whatever I'm doing, right? Wrong! Absolutely wrong. That doesn't mean that I'm looking for you to kill everybody, 
but I am looking for you to inhibit the ability to operate. If that means rope or wire or tying up with ripped up clothes or something quick, uh, handcuffs, something, a, a, a ball sock in the mouth, something. There's got to be something to inhibit the ability to operate for whomever they knock out. Inside this episode, there's a couple of well-thrown punches that absolutely knock down guards. I'm okay with that. I am not okay that they are not disabled. Because I'm telling you, no matter how groggy the soldier after being punched, even by a, a trained assassin like Hunter, it's not going to make any difference. They're going to come to, they're going to shake off the grog, and then they're going to ring an alarm. And that's what you don't want. There's never a case inside of this episode that you want an alarm being rung. And so you have to inhibit the operation. It doesn't happen inside of this episode. It doesn't happen inside of way too many other smaller HD screen programs. And it happens all the time inside of feature films. So where did they put the where did they put the soldiers? Well, when they, they took their uniform. They, they don't show it. And I'm telling you, this it could have been this easy. Well, they don't show it, so they, they may have tied them up, and we just don't see it. Perhaps. Uh, what you're saying is that is that if that is the case, they should have shown it. It's so easy, especially in something like a, an episode called Rewind. We don't need everything to be real time. Uh-huh. We just need a... It's where the camera could be focusing on two guards tied together, back to back, kind of squirming. And the camera pans over and it's the two of them walking off in uniform. Done! It's done. It's instantly done. You don't have to worry about it. And it's there. I know it sounds so stupid simple and it's just not there because, well, it's just inferred. I, I, I get all that. But the whole ability to operate problem is a big problem inside of storytelling that could be easily fixed in a matter of seconds. True, true. My my, per, my personal opinion is is that it is inferred. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, they took the, they took the uniform, so they had to take the time to actually undress them. So... I'm going to assume they also tied them up somewhere secure so that they can't get away. With that being inferred, we're, we're saving time because I've seen the whole, oh, look, there's the shot of the two guards. There are not one of them's awake, squirming around. Let us out, let us out. I've seen it over and over. You don't necessarily, for me, you don't necessarily have to do it if the show is smart enough to make me believe that these two are competent spies. They're going to do that. Uh, but again, I could be wrong. That's where we should probably go and ask the audience. That's a great idea. I got so many ask you guys. What do you guys think? Let us know. We're going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Tell us what you think there inside of any of the threads that are there or start your own and tell us what you think. At least we didn't get the eight second sleeper hold. Hello, Zephyr. Nick, right away on my Zephyr. I love you more than ever. And in this perfect weather, no idea where I'm going, right? I would rather ride, Captain Ride, upon your mystery ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it is. Here's the Zephyr, uh, the triumphant, wonderfully placed, always fun to hear soundtrack of everything Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. is here along with it. And it's just fun. If I was an overly critical person, if I was an overly critical person, I would say that, wow, how convenient. I would if I was an overly critical person. But I'm not an overly critical person, right. especially where this show comes from, when, the, when it comes to this show. I, I will join you in that. In fact, the other only pos- possible negative I would throw at this episode is this. Uh, jets don't warm up in the matter of seconds. <laughs> no, no, zero jets. 
Stark tech, baby. Stark tech. Whatever. <laughs> there is not an instant warm button. Sorry. Consistent weapons handling and a deadly twist. This is pretty tremendous because in addition to excellent trigger discipline that is showcased here, trigger discipline referring to when someone has either a rifle or a handgun in their hand, extending the index finger either higher above so that it wouldn't accidentally get shoved in where the trigger is, mm -hmm. or not on the trigger guard at all, which is awesome because you're showcasing and depicting what's supposed to happen inside of gunplay, which is awesome. It's, it's Again, it's a tiny little bug that is in so many different programs, especially classic movies from, say, the, any movie until maybe the mid-'90s are all going to not be showing appropriate trigger discipline. But what, what happens here and what's fun is that uh, instead of them being firearms, they're actually the... So then it's the uh, icers. Icers, yeah. They're, the they're icers. actually the icers. You were going to say night night gun. I was going to say the night night gun, and I didn't. How dare you? I'm sorry. I'm they so are sorry. not night night guns sorry, anymore. So we sorry. we have moved past that, sir. <laughs> anyway, so it's a it's a great twist. There's all kinds of gunplay inside of this, and it's not terribly realistic. But again, the pacing of the storytelling happens fast enough that I don't care. Not terribly realistic, but again. But again, we have to walk that line of realistic and fantasy show, comic book fantasy show. Trained assassins, trained agents, totally on the ball. But then you also have to remember, this is a different Fitz. This is a perfect example of the new Fitz I was talking about towards the beginning yes. of this review. Yes, yes. This is a Fitz that is is taking the framework life that he had and slowly smushing it into the man that... He was, because this right here, this is not something you would have seen fit from Fitz before the framework. No, it would have been a whole bunch of curdling and cradling away from fire. Well, no, no, he, he he still would have been able to hold his own, but he would not be that efficient. Mm -hmm. Hunter would be the one taking lead where where all of the all the firing and taking out the guards would be. He even mentions that because Fitz says, "Go go start up the jet. I'll hold him here." And Hunter goes, "What well, shouldn't you be doing the tech stuff? And I should just go, because this is not that Fitz anymore. And I love that. Mm -hmm. The fact mm -hmm. that Fitz is a badass because of the life, the fake life, but real to him, that he lived inside the framework. And that carries on to what he's going to have to do moving forward where the storyline is concerned. Yeah. Another soon-to-be-frozen I-know moment. There is no way that that is accidental. What I'm referring to is that the last... I know that there's only... There's one other episode that I remember we, we glanced on it inside of this season, but where there is, without question, an over-the-head wrench nod to something inside the Star Wars universe. Well, this isn't a nod. This is a downright just, I'm stealing dialogue. <laughs> and and it, was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful because it came the week of, again, those of you listening to this podcast from the future, you're listening to this, but right now we're a week and five or six days. Actually, two weeks. Two weeks. Or, oh, of, two of, weeks. This of this recording, we are officially two weeks into The Last Jedi being released. Yeah. Yeah. With a, I think I'd read a 47% decrease in money taking in a re. 
Uh, anyway, it, this is definitively not the perspective review of The Last Jedi. Uh, what this is, though, is a wonderful inclusion of a wonderful piece of dialogue to help ease off of an incredibly tense moment that is perfectly placed inside of it. This is this is nothing new for this show, though, because they have uh, characters have quoted Star Wars for a very long time. Coulson, in particular, has been uh, a very avid Star Wars quoter during this show. Again, going back to season three, the end of season three, where he is talking with Hive, but it turns out he's not really there. It's a hologram while the rest of the team is infiltrating the ship to stop Hive's master plan. And just before the hologram is destroyed, he was like, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only... It's not. It's nothing new for this group because guess what, Star Wars is a. It's an important thing in everybody's life, depending on what age group you are. Right. For some, the original trilogy is the end all, be all to anything Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But then there's another generation that they grew up with the prequel trilogies and like those movies. Find those movies just as, if not more, entertaining. Than the prequel trilogies. Yeah, quotable quotable moment from The Last Jedi. Quick, go. I haven't seen The Last Jedi. Oh, well, that's a great I, one. I still haven't seen The Last Jedi. <laughs> I have not had a moment to see The Last Jedi. <laughs> quotable line from uh, The Force Awakens. Go. Quotable line from The Force Awakens? Yeah. I, I'm on board the same board you are. Okay. Uh, I, I could come uh, up with a couple. Okay, go. I don't want to. <laughs> Uh, It's way too much fun here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact. Thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The number one question for those who have a podcast is simple. Why are you still editing your podcast? The answer editorcore.com look I've been podcasting for over 12 years now and the bottom line is if I could travel back in time via whatever time machine I had at my disposal I would jump back to the beginning of my podcast career and tell myself to not edit my own podcasts that day is here with editorcore.com save the time you waste editing your podcast every single episode Get your podcast edited by experienced seasoned podcast editors over at editorcore.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. 
EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 5, Rewind. Every time we come back from break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to open the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I find an incredibly remarkable actress portrayal, a twist-turny awesome moment inside the storyline, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? We mentioned this character uh, the beginning of the review, but really didn't go back to her. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled to the brim with General Hale. Good one. Uh, something that we we glossed over towards the end of the review. We didn't really we didn't really bring this up because there was no no way of finding Fitz, Tweedledum and Tweedledee, the uh, two Air Force agents that were sent to find Fitz, find the agents of Shield. Blah blah blah. Uh, they're they're murdered, straight up murdered by General Hale. I don't know how I feel about this. One thing, we get a strong, high-ranking official in the Air Force, at least. So, strong female character. Boom. Her methods? Well, that right there, flat-out murder? Villain. So, we've got a strong female villain. Something we do not get enough of Mm -hmm. in storytelling in In general, general. Mm -hmm. but the Marvel Cinematic Universe specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Except for last year, you know, we did have Ada. Ada was great. Thor Ragnarok, we had Hela. Absolute great character, played by Kate Blanchett. Beautifully masterful. I'm wondering, where is this going to go? Because one would think eventually our, our, our agents have to come home, come back to the present. We wouldn't have spent so much time during this episode setting up the character of maybe she's a General Hale if she was not going to be our antagonist when our characters came back. One would assume, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, how do I feel about just yet another military, high-ranking military person just doing whatever the hell they want to do? I don't know. I don't know how I feel. And that's why I wanted to bring it up during the dossier, is because one of the great things about any anything we do here at Two Guys Talking, where the review stuff is concerned, is there is a great chemistry set. We mm-hmm. do, we talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. The chemistry set. A lot of times, going into a review, we both have the, all right. Our minds are made up. This is what we think. But then, while we're talking about it, sometimes I change your mind about something. Sometimes you change my mind about great. something. Mm-hmm. In a way, this is me kind of wondering what you think as well. I know what I think. I'm on the fence. I don't know how I feel about 
a possible power-hungry military. I don't need a, a bloodthirsty General Ross. Because General Ross was not bloodthirsty. Unless it came to the head of Banner. But it's a female character. Mm -hmm. And I like strong female characters. Mm -hmm. And as long as she's not played dumb in the writing, then this could be a great villain. And, and this is a show that we talk about the writing all the time. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that we're going to be given this cookie-cutter chick villain that just blows people away because they fail her. I'm hoping for something more. I think we're going to get something thicker. And again, we are not the prognostication no, podcast. No. But I think what we're going to get is that she, too, is someone that is either aware of or is time traveling. Hmm. And the really cool long game part of what this would be is that if she was evoked 15, 20, 30 years ago when she was just a wee lass inside yeah. of the American military slash Air Force, whatever the hell she's in, and she had to run through her career to make sure that she was able to jump over a series of hurdles to get to the, the echelon that she's at so that she can now make the murderous detail because... They know that Fitz is now involved to be able to track him. Mm. That's where it starts to get really interesting. Yeah. That's way more prognostication than we usually do. But I love it. The other thing I love about what you've chosen here, when I wrote Consistent Weapons Handling, I now remember what I wrote that about. It wasn't just the piece of the icers and the, the Marines slash MPs taking care of business there. It was specifically about this scene because inside of the shield, mm -hmm. Danny who the actress that plays general or not so general Hale inside this episode, Danny is left-handed. Well, she's also left-handed with the handgun inside this episode. Mm, okay. So that's the consistent weapons handling, which is awesome. And then of course the deadly twist was that he, she murders outright shots to the head. You are now dead. No coming back. Although maybe they're going to be in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can only write one character into a coma per show. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but again, that's a great moment inside of your dossier. I love that. I think my dossier inside this episode has got to be an original love affair with Hunter as a character. And what I'm what I'm saying here is that I was never taken by Hunter mm -hmm. as a character. Hunter, again, to me, was kind of the aloof assassin asshole. And I will clamp on to what you said, where he's kind of the filler for now Ward's gone, so... We need someone else to be murderous. I never got that. And I, I think the intention was to make him unlikable. And hey, mission succeeded. And then it started to get not so unlikable as right. it went through. But it's still unlikable nonetheless. Did I have some giant enamorous love to see Hunter again? No. No. But what did allure me was the incredibly heartfelt goodbye that he got. Even though I didn't care about him, I did care decidedly about Bobby. But to see him come back into the fold and then be an excellent piece of the storytelling machinery inside this episode, that's what is my dossier. Him him being reintroduced to everybody knows who he is, but this mechanism that they built for him to interact inside this episode, that's masterful. Yeah. It really is uh, thick, and it is what comprises all of my dossier inside this episode. And that's where we ask you guys, what's inside of your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Season 5, Episode 5, Rewind. Let us know what you think by going to our website. It's over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Nickaroonie, it's time for the rating inside of this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The scale works thusly. 
A 10 is on top of the heap, an incredibly well-paced piece of transparency that when meshed together with the other pieces, creates an indelible picture on everyone's mind. A 1? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. There's never going to be a 1 in this program. Everything starts at a 7, which is an average. The numbers go up with positives, the numbers go down with negatives, and Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? First of all, I am going to throw this out there, and maybe this is a great Here call to the audience. Right. I'm thinking, and, and you keep your keep your scale for everything else <laughs> that you do here at Two Guys Talking Wise with, with the, all your other reviews. Yavo! But here at on the Agents of Shield review, maybe we should start an average is a ten. The average is a ten and stays at a ten. <laughs> and we actually have to Okay, here's a good thing. Okay, we're still at a 10. Here's another good thing. Still at a 10. Here's another great thing. No, still at a 10. Oh, oh, a speed bump. Oh, here's... Oh, all right. We're now at a 9. Oh, another great thing. Yeah, back at a 10. I don't know. The problem is, is that if we keep on adding up all the great things we talked about during this episode, you go from 7 up to uh, 18. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, you look at all of our bullet points, mm-hmm. you go up to an 18. Right. And we'll just look at the two things that you, eh, Nick picked about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we went from an 18 to a 16. So we're still at a 10. I, I'm just saying, and I've been saying this for seasons now, your scale is broke, Wilkerson. <laughs> your scale is broke. So moving on, my rating of this episode. I wanted... I, I walked into the micro studio tonight going like, you know what? I'm throwing a curveball. I'm going to rate this one notch lower than it deserves. Simply because there were, not problems, but issues. Simply because I want, there has to be something to aspire to. There has to be something, we have to give, we have to give something Lower so that when we come back to the higher, it's a redeeming moment. And I can't do it. I cannot do it. I can't give this episode anything less than a 10. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that they didn't show the two army dudes being tied up after being knocked out, mm-hmm. eh, I'm fine with that. Despite the fact that this place also has all of the shield stuff that was left over, eh, convenient. But maybe. Just maybe moving forward where the story is concerned and the mystery of maybe she's a General Hale, maybe there's a reason why she has all of their stuff along with the alien sleeping freezing pod. Who knows? I, I don't. Do you? No, you don't. Even with those things, I can't I can't bring myself to give it a nine. It this is a ten. This was yet again another excellent episode that zoomed by so quickly mm-hmm. when I want to go back and rewatch an episode almost immediately after watching it, how can it be anything other than a 10? That's my rating. All right. So Nick's got a 10. So do I. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agents of Shield podcast. No, and I, 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 I join you. I join you. And I, I traditionally we don't mention listener feedback during the, during the run of our season, but I wanted to mention listener Eric Stone, who has been wonderfully interactive throughout. Mr. Stone. Yeah, thank you very much for your insight. And what he'd also mentioned 
uh, a variety of things inside this episode, which I won't share, but he, I will share that he mentioned that also that the scale is broken clearly. Ah, somebody agrees with me. <laughs> I am vindicated. And then you'll note also that we're going to both give this episode a 10. So I guess it's not broken. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this episode clearly gets a 10. It's not just the storytelling. It's not just the pacing. It's not the painting of characters that at the beginning of the season we knew nothing about Enoch. It's not about the characters that we've known everything about since day one fits. It's not the character that we met a couple of seasons ago, Hunter. It's not even about the storytelling that happens inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which we've known about since the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2008. It's about great storytelling, period. Uh, anyone that wants to call this television show that stupid comic book show on ABC, you, sir, are an idiot. Because this show, with all of its faults, with all of its time travel storytelling, with all of its superpowered characters, it continues to write above and beyond so many other television programs that when I watch one episode of, I'm infinitely disappointed. I mean, like, outright. Just, it's difficult to watch television now because I have this show as a bar. Right. It, it's very difficult to just wander in a program. They really do have to captivate me. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, inside of the, the back-end Giant 10 review set is the magic of the words of someone saying, we're going to attempt time travel. <laughs> because for any other series, it's a wreck. It is almost always a wreck. It doesn't matter if it's another superpowered series inside of another uh, different uh, comic book DC universe. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's some fantasy film on sci-fi. It doesn't make any difference. The instant that you start evoking time travel is typically when the stick goes definitively into your knees and everything goes wrong just you can hear the giant whine of engines screaming to their last in the death roll of what's going to happen when somebody mentions time travel you'll note that we're five episodes in on an incredibly detailed incredibly elaborate time travel episode there's nothing that smells a foul here at all no in fact this whole episode is dedicated to people that want to poke holes inside of time travel it's solid, dude. Mm -hmm. They absolutely captivate us. I dare anyone to tell us about another program that will captivate you in the short amount of time that we've gotten inside of five times 43 minutes. And I don't think we're going to find another answer because if, if it's out there, I want to know about it because I need to find time to find to watch that television program as well as this program, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. That's where we ask you guys, what was your rating for this episode? Season 5, Episode 5, Rewind. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast.
podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.